0: My name is Bree Castellini. I used to be a spy.
1: My name is Chris Cherry. I used to be able to say that I've never been trapped in an elevator.
0: And this is Burn Notice, a weekly rewatch of the USA television masterpiece Burn Notice about Michael Weston, a spy.
1: Throughout this podcast, we will be rating each episode on whether it is A, an episode of television, B, a great episode of television, or C, a great episode of Burn Notice.
0: If you want to know what complicated calculations go into these ratings, wait until the end where we'll explain them. Also, if you or anyone you know knows Jeffrey Donovan or anyone even remotely related to the production and creation of Burn Notice, the television show, please get in touch. You can send us connections, questions, suggestions, compliments, and absolutely no criticism of any kind to burnnoticedpodcast at gmail.com or to our Twitter at burnnoticedpod. And as always, that's Burn Noticed with a D. Like our podcast. Like our podcast. So you got trapped in an elevator. I got
1: literally trapped in an elevator, like on TV. <laughs> like
0: you were on TV, or it was like it was you were on TV. But it you was were like not a, in fact on TV. I was
1: not on television, but I felt like a character on television. Being trapped in an elevator is one of those things that like I've always been afraid of because mm-hmm. it happens on TV, right? And like,
0: but it's like quicksand where you're like, exactly. this is never going to happen.
1: Exactly. I but I've always been afraid of it in the same way that I'm afraid of like hanging on a ledge. Sure. Yeah. Like, also seems like a thing that's never going to happen to me. But, like, no, I was literally trapped in an elevator. I was at a Halloween party. And, like, once it was over, I went. And this is very important to my, like, experience of it. I'm not quite sober. Sure. I am walking. I already feel like the elevators in this building are a little sus. Mm -hmm. So I, like, go and open a door, like, right by the elevator. that is the stairs. Except it's not the stairs. I open the door. It is just a person's apartment. (laughs) I just... Open the unlocked door to a stranger's apartment. There's no one in the room.
0: Oh, that's good. I was hoping that, like, you open the door and there's, like, a comedy cut of just, like, a guy sitting there eating Cheez-Its or something.
1: No, like, thankfully there was no one in the room. But I was like, oh, uh," and then closed the door, got in the elevator, and then it broke. (laughs) That's actually a very funny series of events. <laughs> it's an incredibly funny series of events. Luckily luckily I had like phone signal. Mm-hmm. Which yeah.
0: And Twitter signal.
1: And Twitter signal. <laughs> which meant that I could just like tweet and go on literally all my social media because there's like a slight chance that I'm gonna die. And it's also like one of the more interesting things that's happened to me in a while. So I'm gonna talk about I it. I mean
0: it'd be a good way to die, I feel like. Be.
1: Yeah. Um, but and you I,
0: you would have so much control over your own, like, final words. Exactly. You could, you could live stream yourself talking until the darkness took you. Exactly. 100%. <laughs> you should not go to this place again. This apartment building? No. Don't go.
1: <laughs> yeah. Or I can just, you know, use the stairs.
0: That seems like a lot of effort. I think it's better to just cut off this friendship, never see them again. But anyways, how did you get out of the elevator?
1: So I pressed the button, the call button, mm-hmm. and it worked. And I'm like, I got on someone. They're like, hi. Um, I'm like, yeah, I'm stuck in an elevator. And they're like, did you try to open the door? I'm like, yeah, I tried to open the door. They're like, okay, <laughs> just sit tight. We'll send someone. Stay away from the door. And then I'm just sitting there. I sit there for like half an hour. Then the elevator starts going
0: up. It goes, which, which, to be clear, is not the direction you wanted it to go.
1: Not the direction I wanted it to go. <laughs> I was like, I was trying to leave the building. I was on the first floor. Okay. And then it goes up to the third floor and then opens just fine. Oh. And then there's a guy there and he's like, there's this crazy woman on the floor because I'm sitting on the floor of the elevator because that's what you do when you're stuck in an elevator. You don't stand. Oh, yeah, no. So this man is just shocked. He's like, ah. There's a person in this elevator sitting on the floor. And I'm like, oh my god, you saved my life.
0: <laughs> so did you get out of the elevator out... at that point and find the stairs? Or did you ride the elevator back down because you're, well, no. <laughs> you're a messy of bitch?
1: That... Here's the thing. I got out of the elevator, but then I was in a situation of like, I think they called emergency people. And are they coming for me? And so like I press the button again and I'm standing like in the door of the elevator. And it's like, the thing is like ringing, like we're going to... Uh, we're gonna hold on we're gonna give you someone and then like i'm just standing there and it's like connecting and i'm like and then the door starts and it makes a noise and it's like no we're closing this door and i have to like fucking indiana jones out of there
0: And did you just leave the guy that was trying to get on the elevator in there
1: well no he rightfully did not get on the elevator okay, so you
0: you at least explain the situation oh, God, like, yeah. do, do not get in this elevator no, yeah, I was like
1: you say in my life this elevator was i was trapped in there and she's like oh okay i'm gonna <laughs> take the stairs and then uh I had to like kind of follow him to the stairs because apparently I don't know where the stairs are. Yeah, I don't clearly wanna... not. And then I don't want to go to someone else's apartment. And then like I get there and I'm like, should I, should I leave? <laughs> Is like are fire people gonna come? And I'm just kind of like standing there.
0: Was there like a doorman? Who did the call button actually go to? I no,
1: it like, goes to like an emergency service.
0: Oh, okay. So not even somebody in the building. No, so it's not, not like you could in go downstairs and be like, hey. I made it out. You should definitely close that elevator for a while.
1: No, but eventually, I so I just waited in the like lobby that does not have people in it. Sure. It's like kind of like your lobby at your last apartment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, eventually though. A, a suc-
0: lobby that has no purpose of being a lobby. It's just wasted fucking space. Exactly. And also mailboxes. No, that's not even where the mailboxes were. The mailboxes I mean, were in the hallway trip. across from my apartment. To be
1: fair, this one had mailboxes. Okay. But yeah, and then eventually a security guard kind of walks in and was like, "Oh, do you work here? Good. I was trapped in your elevator. I'm fine now." If anyone asks, and then he kind of looks at his phone and was like, "Oh, look, I just got a message about it." <laughs> okay, well she's fine. <laughs> and then, and then I had to call a second Uber because. I had to cancel my first Uber. Right.
0: That you almost certainly like ordered while you were in the elevator. Like, oh yeah. Exactly. will be waiting for you when I get home.
1: Yeah, exactly. No, I'd like ordered it in the apartment, in the party. Mm-hmm. Cause like everyone was suddenly leaving and I was like, oh no, I can't be the last person at this party. I have to call an Uber and get out of here now. And then so like, I was waiting there. I'm sitting there. The door is stuck. And like, I get a message from the Uber driver. Like I'm arrived and I'm like, sorry, stuck in an elevator <laughs> and then canceled it. And yeah, and here's the thing. I'm not 100% sure that I'm not still in there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess I haven't touched you yet. Are you, yeah, you are corporeal, you appear corporeal.
1: Yeah, but like, that sounds like something that a thing of my imagination would say.
0: That's true. That is the first thing you check. Oh yeah, totally. What can I do to convince you that we're not in like a, 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 like a creation of your own mind? Sadly, nothing. Hmm. I do do something so out of character. I didn't edit the burn of this wiki. That's not a thing I spent my time on this morning. That's which right. Which almost made me late in watching the episodes for this recording session. That's right. Okay, let's talk about your thing. <laughs> now so I have an equally exciting story.
1: <laughs> that, involve, that involves editing wiki pages.
0: Yeah, which I've never done before.
1: So explain.
0: Yeah, well, so I there the the last name of the alias for this week's episode, spoiler alert, there's an alias. (gasps) I I couldn't figure out. And so I was like, well, I know that the wiki has a list of all like character aliases. So I'm going to go check that out. Um, And so I went there and I found out that season six only had two alias entries and they were from episodes, One and two, which I don't even think technically count as alias. Well, I guess Jesse's counts as an alias because he's a crooked DEA agent, according to the cover ID. But then there's just like a big list of things like somebody had like started adding them and then just stopped. And this also happens in season seven. So I'm going to have to go in and add season seven aliases too, because this is now my cross to bear, because this is what we do. We lo- So then I had to like go back in the episode, turn on closed captioning, find the guy's actual correct name, and of course, add it to the burn notice wiki. Of course. And then I had to go, because I'd already started notes for this uh, episode, I had to like go back in my Google edit history to find the name of the alias from last week and like the description of him so that I could add, or two weeks ago, I guess, for you guys, George Penderson, I had to find that to add that. As well, because that also wasn't in there.
1: That's amazing. I the burn notice wiki has given us so much. I know, so it's good that you're giving back.
0: Well, I mean, we are the obsessive, you know, people who are making this podcast and tracking so many stupid things. We may as well contribute. Um, also, did you know that Pierce's first name is Danny with an I, D A N I?
1: I think so, because I think last week or maybe the week before, Jesse called her Danny.
0: Yeah, I guess yeah. I didn't really hear that, but it just, it doesn't feel like it fits her.
1: No, yeah. It's well, a weird,
0: and it's also weird that we just never hear her name. But oh, cause,
1: yeah, because she's Pierce.
0: She's Pierce, yeah. That's all does, you need. She's Agent Pierce. I think
1: she's Pierce because no one wants to call her Danny.
0: But speaking of the Burn Notice Wiki, how do you center justify text in a table, uh, in a table? on a wiki editor because two of the names that I added for whatever reason are not center justified anymore. And it makes the whole list look very like out of whack and I don't like it. So if somebody can go on the burn notice wiki, go to the season six list of character aliases table and fix the episode 603 uh, aliases to make the Michael Weston and Danny Pierce's names center justified the way that the rest of them are. I would really appreciate that. Or if somebody would like to email us with, loud motorcycle noises and how to edit wiki pages better I will be all ears
1: Bree is a student, she is learning I am learning,
0: but this is important to me also it's also important that I now have added uh, in terms of cover ID for Sam Axe, Chuck Finley but a detective Because in this episode, he introduces himself as Detective Finley. And so, like, there's this... Sec- so, basically, the way that the Burn Notice Wiki works, if you've never been to it, on the alias page, is that there's a there's a column for name, alias, so, like, the name of the alias, accent, which I love that they're tracking. I love that we're tracking what accents people are using. I love <laughs> how
1: all... And it's very clear. Most of the accents just say normal. <laughs> If, Just normal, normal accent. And then
0: there's like slight Southern. There's American because Fiona has an American accent at some point. Even But though also she
1: always has an American accent. I guess
0: that's true because all of her accents are considered American. So I think that the person who's editing this is confirming that she's supposed to have an Irish accent, but she is choosing at all times to maintain an American cover. And I love that they've confirmed that that's not normal technically for her.
1: God bless you, <laughs> Burn Notice Wiki. This
0: is why I have to like help out also sometimes there's an addition to the accent which is normal comma scared (laughs) <laughs> or American, comma scared, because scared is a, I guess, inflection enough that is notable enough to put in the burnout wiki. But anyway, so there's so there's name, alias name, accent, cover ID, which is like explaining who the alias is. And then the episode, which is linked. I did figure out linking. Don't worry about that. And so obviously, Detective Finley is the alias Sam is using in this episode. His accent is normal and his cover ID is Chuck Finley, but a detective. Yeah, of which course. I think is very funny and is now officially on the burn notice wiki and is accurate enough that none of you little butt munchers should delete it. So, leave oh, this for me. Will. Leave this for me. I am doing God's work editing this burn notice wiki when apparently no one else is.
1: Oh, but everyone who is or has at any time—if you're listening to this episode—we thank you for your service. We do
0: thank you for your service. Do you? Would you agree that Michael Weston's alias from this episode has like a slight New Jersey accent? Because that's the based on the other stuff that's on the wiki, that's what I attributed it to. Yeah, it's it's a little bit. It's affected. It's not quite normal.
1: Yeah. No. The thing is, in my mind, it's like a slight crime guy voice.
0: Yeah, but but crime. Yeah, you can't say
1: crime guy. In... oh no
0: he had a slight hispanic accent when he was an angry bitter in episode 504
1: oh god there's
0: a high-pitched accent when he was a lone shark there's a lot of slight uh southern accents on here yeah russian Sca- his accent is scared <laughs> 501 his accent was scared normal slash angry um, Fiona didn't speak as a jogger in episode four fifteen, so we don't know what kind of accent she would have.
1: Exactly, we assume it's American, but it could have been normal.
0: <laughs> they really have attributed American to every single one of her uh, things. Ooh, Gordon Lutz in five 4, uh thirteen is quiet crazy. That's his this is his voice type.
1: That was when he was the serial
0: killer. Yeah, uh, apprentice serial apprentice killer, serial according killer. to the Notice yeah. Wiki, which is our our bible. Yeah, this is this is extremely good, and I have used this several times. Uh, to I did not know that this page existed. We talked about it like two seasons ago. Yeah, because it, I don't it came up one time because I needed to check something. Um, <laughs> Sam Axe, Big Chuck, <laughs> an accent Southern, and he was a trucker, and he was a oh, trucker.
1: He was a big mother trucker.
0: Yeah. Oh, he was Deputy Finley in episode 409. He was a Miami-Dade Sheriff's Department. I like that they're
1: tracking all the variations of Chuck Finley as well.
0: Well, I, I knew that, which is why it's important for me to like say, Detective, but Chuck Finley, but a detective. Exactly. I feel like I kind of need to go back and edit. Chuck Finley, but a Miami-Dade Sheriff's Department deputy. You're going to make everyone really annoyed. But I'm still being you're accurate.
1: Gonna, you're going to make the burn notice wiki as mad at you as wikipedia is yeah
0: i wonder if anyone from wikipedia still remembers the days when i used to try and make my own wikipedia pages and they were like we know it's you you can't do this it's against the rules you're not notable enough and there was like There was like a solid two week, two or three week period where I was like fighting with Wikipedia, trying to pretend like I was on different IP addresses, starting like fake email accounts to edit Wikipedia for myself. And they were like, bitch, we are taking all of this down. And I was like, I'll show you. I'll show you. Have you
1: ever considered that you're not well?
0: Never. I am well... In fact, I'm well known. Actually, we have enough listeners to this podcast that if somebody wants to start a burn noticed uh, Wikipedia page for us that mentions Chris and I by name, we would really appreciate that. Oh, totally. Yeah. We have several actual burn notice writers following us on Twitter, which feels like we are notable enough to at least be mentioned. So if somebody can make us any kind of mention on Wikipedia, I just want my name on Wikipedia for like small petty reasons that track back to 2015.
1: That's it. At the very least, we could have a a mention on the official Burnettes.
0: That would also be acceptable, but I want somewhere on Wikipedia, the internet's encyclopedia, to have my name on it.
1: Like in popular culture?
0: I don't even care. I just want my name somewhere in Wikipedia. Exactly.
1: So I'm saying that you could put, like, in the in popular culture section of burn notice. Oh
0: yeah yeah, that's a, that's definitely a good workaround. I would yeah. love our own page because I feel like we've done enough. I'm editing the burn notice wiki at this point. I'm basically on Wikipedia already. Somebody make us a Wikipedia page. Is all I'm saying. Should that's we all talk we about this episode?
1: Yeah, let's talk about this episode. <laughs> What is it called? Who wrote it? When did it air? Who directed it?
0: So this is uh, season six, episode five. It's called "Split Decision," which aired July nineteenth, twenty twelve. It was written by Ryan Johnson and Peter Lilianis. So I was already like mm-hmm. excited for the episode, and Peter Lilianis, for uh, for the record, follows us on Twitter, or at least did at one point. I don't know if we've alienated him since then, but he did once at one point follow us on Twitter. Um, and it was directed by Scott Peters, who's directed a bunch of episodes. Yeah. So no. Nothing else about We're safe him. hands here. We're safe-ish hands. Yeah. I don't know if we're ever in safe hands. That's fair. <laughs> this elevator's always looking a little sus, if you know what I mean. <laughs> um, and the IMDb description of this episode reads, Michael's mentor, Tom Card, who I fully forgot about, offers Fiona a chance to leave prison and avoid extradition in exchange for becoming a CIA a- asset. Michael tracks down a vicious gangster with some unexpected help.
1: Yeah, no, I fully expected to never see John C. McGinley ever again. I
0: know, and then he's, like, fairly prominent in this episode. And much better. You know what's funny is that, like, originally, in the very pilot of Burn Notice, like, at one point he calls his handler, who's like, Michael, you have to stop calling me. Yeah. And I think he continues to harass that handler at least mm-hmm. once or twice in season one. I feel like that guy should have come back. I mean, n- not that I'm not happy to see John C. McGinley. I'm always happy to see John C. McGinley, but I feel like... Just bringing this dude wholesale out of nowhere and then, like, inventing all this backstory that is meaningless and has no connection to anything that we've come to, like, know or care about in terms of Michael Weston. It just seems random that now all of a sudden he's, like, very important to Michael's past.
1: I mean, that's just a, like, late late series development that happens on shows like this this is just like i feel like
0: it would be better if they just like pretended like he was his original handler and like because then at least we would have some like grounding for their like relationship where he's like hey i'm sorry that i ignored you when you first had your burn notice but hey i'm back i've come back around that could add some fun tension i think that's sort of interesting wherein like
1: again like it's because it sits in this weird moment in television history where i think like a few years earlier and they wouldn't dream of bringing that old person back because like, who can remember? Well,
0: like I don't don't care if it's that guy. Like they they can still cast him as John C. McGinley. I mean, shows do that all the time. Fucking Game of Thrones had different characters playing every character, basically the whole show.
1: But like, even then just the idea that like, there's this person that this like with the same name, it's like, who cares? Like people aren't going to remember, but now, but people will remember.
0: But even if we don't remember, like, referencing enough specifics at least makes it personal to us you know what i mean because like him being a guy from michael's past is fucking meaningless but him being the guy that was his handler when he first had his burn notice who is now like you know sidling back up i think would be an interesting tension especially because the tension between him and fiona seems like very weird It is very—it's very put upon, and like it comes to a head in this episode, and it's like, all right, fine, I guess we're doing this, but it seems unnecessary. Right, I feel like there would have been a more interesting conflict if he was the guy that like Michael was trying to get on his side when he first got burned and had to be like towing the company line, and now he has to crawl back to Michael Weston because he needs him, you know. And I feel like that—that's
1: interesting. That is interesting. No, I think like yeah, no, having him be like. The guy who trained Michael makes no sense. Especially because
0: they haven't done anything they have with that, done which we talked about, about it. When, when we first saw John C. McGinley. I think a big part of that episode was both of us being like, "There was nothing here."
1: Yeah, exactly. Which is why I'm not like harping on it too much now. It's like, because like, yeah, we've talked about
0: this. <gasps> yeah, but I was just thinking about it, and I thought that would be better. Anyways, let's get in the weeds. All right, let's get in these weeds. In the weeds, John C. McGinley is here. Hi, John C. McGinley. How are you doing? Hi, Doctor Khan. He looks like a boiled ham. I don't know what's going on with like the lighting, with like he got sunburned while he was in Miami. But whatever is going on, his face looks like a boiled ham. And like I think John C McKinley is a very handsome man, but he looks like a boiled ham. I mean, it's not the first time
1: I've seen him look like that.
0: I know, but like it's really pronounced because Bernonis has like a very like warm orangey yellow sort of filter Mm -hmm. so like all warm tone colors are like very emphasized
1: he looks like he looks like he just ate a boiled ham Mm -hmm. and it changed
0: him yeah and it like you are what you eat exactly
1: yeah he ate it and then became it it's like like the alien from aliens
0: i've never seen that
1: you haven't seen any Alien movies? Mm-mm. You should. They're good. It's Halloween.
0: I've heard they're good. Oh, maybe... It, is, is it streaming anywhere? It is... Ho- we're recording this on Halloween and Clint wants to watch a spooky movie.
1: You should watch Alien. Where is it streaming anywhere? I have no idea, but we can find out. We don't have to do it on mic, though.
0: Yeah. I guess that's not as important. Anyway,
1: happy Halloween from the past. We're spooky. <laughs>
0: God, Chris a, might be a ghost. I might be a
1: ghost. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, my voice... I was at a party last night. I was at a murder mystery party last night. Oh, that's a lot fun. Of, I didn't I know adults
0: a, did that. I know. I
1: know. And, like, I'm I didn't so and, um And I did a lot of shouting at the party. So, like, my voice is already ruined, and now I'm recording two podcasts. So, it's fun <laughs> for me. I'm to listen to this terrible voice.
0: I, you sound normal to me if it helps. It doesn't. Okay. Well, Michael is being invited to lunch by John C. McGinley uh, because John C. McGinley wants to help him get Fiona out of prison, or at least give her a better shot at getting out of prison by having her prove that she's friendly to the agency. So basically he's like, we need Fee to do something for us. And Michael's like, okay. And that's all we get. This is a this is an interesting episode because it's very chock full. A lot of stuff happens. A lot of stuff happens. But right. we move along at a pretty like quick yeah. pace and I don't feel like I'm missing anything. No. Like, this is a pretty good episode for even the transitionary sequences feel like fun. Yeah, this is, this is an interesting episode because a lot happens similar to a couple of episodes ago but I feel like it does it better. I don't oh, yeah. feel rushed.
1: No, it doesn't. It feels like everything just kind of happens. Mm-hmm. Like Again, I watched this episode a few days ago so my memories of it are a little hazier but also <laughs> I remember really enjoying this episode. Yeah,
0: I like this episode a lot. I mean, again, I like Ryan Johnson and Peter Lilianus, yeah. and they seem to have a good sense of like moving us from place to place like their first episode was the hurricane episode which i maintain is one of my favorites of the series like overall just because i thought it did a good job but that episode had a similar pacing to it where it's like we got to go from place to place and it doesn't feel like we're rushing it it just feels like all right we've we've finished what we need to do here let's move forward yeah
1: it doesn't feel like a lot of bullshit it feels like a lot of story Mm
0: -hmm. yeah it it, i i like to describe episodes of television like this as like it's very empire strikes back of it because i feel that same way about empire Empire Strikes Back. I feel like it moves through story adequately. Like, I understand why we're going from scene to scene. I don't feel like I'm missing anything. I'm right. like, yes, this is what the thing that should happen. Yes. You know, somebody mentioned Han, and we have a scene with Han, you know? It's, it feels very organic.
1: Yeah. But, like, yeah, and very very organic, but also like, very well-structured and mm-hmm. very, like, yeah.
0: Yeah, so uh, I like this episode. Uh, so we go from that first scene. This
1: episode is as good as Empire Strikes Back, according to <laughs> According to Brie Castellini. You heard it here first. You
0: can quote me on that in Wikipedia back at the loft Sam is hanging out downstairs with the charger like outside uh, with some leftovers because apparently he's afraid of Rebecca when she's upset this is a theme that comes back a couple of times where like both Jesse and Sam are like please don't make me work with Rebecca she's so scary and when Michael goes up to see her she's doing one handed push-ups very intensely and so Michael gets a yogurt and they discuss the case she's still mad at them for not like finding her brother yet I guess even though apparently she hasn't told them fuck all like this is the ex position scene but she's still mad that they haven't figured it out I guess Yeah. so we get a little more information about who her brother whose name is Trent I learned like 40 minutes into this episode so Trent is the brother and the re- the thing that Anson has over him it's not him specifically but Um, apparently her brother is, Trent is being chased by dangerous people and Anson's threat is, I will tell the dangerous people where Trent is. So Anson knows where Trent is and Anson knows Trent is on the run and can make those two things coincide. And we learn in the next scene, post cold open, which we can get to because there's really nothing, there's nothing else that happens in this scene. It's just, we get the exposition. So post cold open, we learn like the full. You don't have to
1: justify skipping stuff. It's fine. (laughs) Well,
0: sometimes you stop me and are like, no, we should talk about this.
1: But I usually, I usually do.
0: Fair enough. You don't need to
1: tell, like, if, I, if I'm if i going to talk about something, I'll talk about it.
0: Fair enough. So the full explanation of what Trent's deal is, Trant, is that he- It's
1: Trent. It's not Trant.
0: <laughs> no, it's Trant. Um, so he used to work at this nightclub called Amnesia. They they hired him to do payroll. Oh, I but... forgot about that. Yeah. But, He's yeah. but... <laughs> a little joke. He's <laughs> a joke. So you get the one joke point. Somebody what action make... is that? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Burn Notice Wiki, figure it out.
1: And the Burn Notice Wiki.
0: God, I hope somebody does that. And then like they they keep track of bullshit things, like how many times does Bree say something unforgivable. <laughs> uh, anyway, it's oh, a long list. <laughs> <laughs> well, so is the list of aliases on the Burn Notice Wiki. Anyways,
1: to break it up by year.
0: How many Geneva Convention, like, citations should Brie have received at the end of 2019, 2020? Uh, Anyways, Trant worked as a payroll guy at amnesia. And he, because he was working with numbers and money, quickly realized that amnesia was a front for, I don't know, some sort of criminal thing. And so he instantly told the police and, like, went on the run. And, of course, like, everyone's mad at him. The boss got, like, arrested, like, the big daddy- the big daddy of amnesia got arrested and then later died in prison. And so his son has taken over the business and has also taken up like the hobby of hunting down Trant on his side and on his off time, because he's like, you killed my daddy, you ruined our business. I will find you and kill you. So um, the back of the loft, we brainstorm with the boys, do a boys brainstorm, as it were, with everyone minus Fiona um, about like, all right, how are we going to like fix this problem for Rebecca to fully get her on side and get her out of Anton's pocket? Well, I guess the easiest thing we can do is convince Wes, who is the son, Wes is the bad guy of the week. An obsessed sob, as the mm. lower credits call or the lower uh, title card tells us, he they're like we just need to convince him that it's not Trent it's somebody else. I
1: feel like Wes has a little bit of a Michael Sheen to him.
0: He does have a little bit of a Michael Sheen. He's got like a very specific energy that I can't quite pin down. Yeah, I've never
1: seen this actor he's like before. A, it's like a hotter Michael Sheen.
0: Yeah, he's 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 doing it for me. He, and he was yeah. a, he was a perfectly serviceable, oh, yeah, he serviceable was. villain of the week. Anyway, so basically they're like we just need to convince him it's not Trent so that way, whatever, and <laughs> Chris could not keep it together with me calling him this, but I don't know how to explain that this is just my normal accent. If we were on to
1: notice normal, <laughs> the
0: accent would be normal.
1: This episode has an energy.
0: <laughs> what if, what if like bizarre, like my accent, was just called American, but question mark. And then <laughs> so it's not even normal. So you're like, wait, so what's normal? What would normal be, brie <laughs> Anyways, so that's the plan. They got to convince Wes that somebody else turned his daddy in. And so in order to learn more about the daddy, the business, and who else might have been, you know, the problem, they have to go, like, talk to this, the old cellmate of Wes's dad who's on a work order in uh, Tallahassee. This is important because they need to work in a Skype branded moment yeah we'll talk about in a little bit. we'll talk about skype <laughs> we will unfortunately talk about skype um so uh, yeah so so jesse and nate as it turns out are going to go upstate to, i guess i think tallahassee's upstate I yeah, don't know. yeah it's, a,
1: it's in the panhandle isn't it
0: or is it in the panhandle i have no idea I the geography of florida is irrelevant to yeah. me but that's what the plan is so they're gonna go in into- florida
1: is just like chaos shaped
0: it's chaos it's also dick
1: shaped To <laughs> be very clear
0: same thing. Nate and Jesse are gonna go interrogate the old fucking cellmate to just like learn some information. Cool. Great. Let's go. I have in my notes that Nate for some reason is part of this mystery but next week it becomes a little bit more evident why
1: Nate is well, all of a sudden. we we'll talk about next week next week. Let's not. <laughs> Nate becomes not important let, in a let's way. Let's not let next week bleed into this week. <laughs> I can't help it. I know but we're just gonna. We're going to talk about next week, next week.
0: Fine. So, uh, back in prison, Fee meets with Dr. Cox, and after whatever the opposite of niceties are, are exchanged, she learns the conditions of her deal. Specifically, they need her help taking down someone named Grayson Miller, who I learn many many more minutes into the episode is a former gun supplier of yeah. hers and so like they the reason that they need her They specifically... do establish
1: it right away.
0: Okay, well I wasn't paying attention, so whatever. I was under the gun and I was realizing quickly that Burn Notice Wiki did not have the alias list for this episode, so I was adding it in the background. There might be sections of this episode that are less well recapped because I was editing the Burn Notice Wiki, but I couldn't stop watching the episode cuz I was on a time crunch anyways <laughs> very
1: specific person because <laughs>
0: So it's, it's Grayson Miller, gun supplier. They don't think uh, that uh, nobody knows that Fee is in jail because officially Fiona Glenn Ann was not arrested. So um, that's the plan. They're going to like get her the phone and she's like, okay, well then in order to help you with this Grayson Miller deal, I need you to call Madeline and have her bring the photo frame that I got her for a gift last year. And so that's what's next. Madeline's coming in. Um, Back in Tallahassee, Nate and Jesse stake out the old cellmate while Nate loudly complains that Jesse's beloved car is uncomfortable. It's a high-performance vehicle and that his playlist of all queen is shrilly, if by shrilly, of course, you mean angelic. Yeah. I like this energy a lot. This is my favorite Nate pairing, I think, ever. Like, Nate and Jesse are so funny because Jesse's like, dude, I don't care at all what you have to say, but I'm not going to be mean about it. I'm just going to be like...
1: Like, I'm a good person, so I'm not going to be mean to you. But also, I don't care about you. Yeah,
0: it's it's very fun. It's, it's great. That's I, what
1: Nate needs. It is what Nate needs. Nate needs someone who is nice to him but does not care about him. <laughs> because all he has is the opposite people who care about him but also hate him
0: yeah yeah and it's i just think it's funny i also like that jesse has a playlist that's just exclusively queen and that his car is uncomfortable despite how much he loves it i just i like learning these little details about jesse and like honestly this next scene cuz like we're we're doing the whole like we're interrogating an old man scene like the whole time i'm like Jesse is such a fucking good character. I'm so glad he's on the I'm main cast. I'm so
1: glad we have Jesse. He has
0: he brings a charisma and energy and like listen, I love Jeffrey Donovan till my dying day. Uh-huh. I think that he's great. Jesse adds so much to this ensemble.
1: Jesse has such a good Kobe Bell. Mm-hmm. Has we talked about this before? Has such a good energy. I don't know why the world has wasted Kobe Bell. Like he's so charismatic. He's
0: so charismatic. I Kobe Bell, let us write for you. Yeah. We will treat you good. And you won't have to be a cop every single time. I promise. Exactly. We'll treat you right. We'll get Daddy next to buy us a guest house, uh, or a house with a guest house, and then we'll all live there together and we'll write you really fun stuff and you will get used correctly. <laughs> you'll get used gently. You'll get used often. You'll get used to completion. Anyways, um... <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) let's keep recording the podcast (laughs) is that not what we're doing I feel like I'm podcasting exactly the same level I always do so there's, there's some stuff they get the old man the old man gets suspicious when they mention that why they're there. They, I mean, they, there's like a ruse, but it doesn't matter. And so Jesse like nods to Nate for the backup to like hit him with a cattle prod. But the old man is too quick for Nate who is an idiot. And then cattle prods Nate back. So Nate falls over. Jesse takes the old man down and then Nate like petulantly stabs him with the cattle prod after the fact. And Jesse lectures Nate on proper cattle prod holding techniques. Yeah. Two hands,
1: two hands. <laughs> Is that true? I feel like I've never seen someone hold a cow prod with two hands.
0: Well, you probably have never seen it in context of like somebody stabbing a person. Like a cow doesn't really have, you know, the ability to. That's fair. To do much to you, yeah. You know, that makes sense. Christine, and I not know what to do with her hands. No, Toby Bell, but I do. Um, so now tied up inside his house, they interrogate this man whose name I did not bother to get because it does not matter. And then we don't even get to see the the full interrogation after they like convince him to cooperate. So then later we get a prominently Skype branded video call to Michael. Okay. (laughs) You've seen- And this is why I guess he's in Tallahassee because we need a reason to do a Skype call. Okay. I feel like
1: we've all used Skype. You listeners have probably used Skype. There's, like, a logo on the Skype logo when you talk on Skype. Mm -hmm. It's not that big. It's so big. The Skype logo in the screen is huge.
0: Yeah. It's, like... It's, like, as big as Michael's head on the camera.
1: Exactly. It's just, like, a huge... And, like, can I say... A really crisp video call. Such a crisp video call. Like, pure, like... I have never had a video call look that good on Skype. Ever.
0: (laughs) In fairness, I never had a good, a crisp video call on any platform.
1: No, to be fair, it's not like, but it's not necessarily Skype's fault, but also, like, you're living in a dream, Skype, if you think <laughs> this is what it looks like.
0: Well, it's like- The thing it, you're it, like, trying to
1: sell right now does not
0: happen. I mean, it's like anytime there's a character on a TV show that's like, we should Bing it. And I'm like, oh, Bing. Oh, oh buddy.
1: Bing. <laughs> oh, I love, like, Bing is like the Pepsi of, like, television search engines. <laughs>
0: I feel like Pepsi is more popular than me. I think you're giving Bing, honestly, too much credit.
1: But in the sense that, like, you can... If it it only shows up in, like, places if, like, they're paying for it. Because I'm assuming, like, Pepsi has very specific deals with specific restaurants. And so I think like Bing is the same way where they have like specific deals like you had to use Bing. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: It's just, it's all very funny. It's a very branded video call. And in it, uh, we continue to not learn like everything, but the two things that we do see on screen and on the crisp camera, on a video call, thanks to Skype, Jesse has like drawn a map of the prison and is pointing out where the guy played backgammon and also where the guy died. Because as you recall, crime daddy had a heart attack in prison. So that's why they can't interrogate him so uh Michael's like that's fine that's enough to go off of thanks so much for your help so then in the next scene as a twitchy no shoelaces alias Michael aka Freddie Cupfer. K-U-P-F-E-R, which you don't even need me to tell you because I already put it on the burn notice wiki, uh, is a, a member of the dad's batgammon club, as he tells the son when he, you know, gets up to him at a fancy restaurant.
1: This is like my favorite kind of Michael Weston
0: alias. Yeah. Which
1: is... Twitchy xcon, Twitchy xcon. that's kind of dumb. Mm-hmm.
0: It's great. Well, because it's so funny because like as I was watching this, because we just came off of a Jesse scene, I was like, man, they really do have such different aliases because like Kobe Bell has had dumb aliases before, but like he plays dumb in a completely different way. It's so fun that we have these two options now Yeah. because Kobe Bell is like loud and dumb. Michael Weston is like kind of simple, like his his dumb is simple. I feel like Jesse's dumb is loud. Exactly. Yes. And both are good. I like both of them. Right. And I'm delighted. So anyway, so Freddy uh, is here delivering a message from the grave because he just got out. But he was told basically on this dude's deathbed, apparently, that like he needs to b- bring a message to his son. Why it was not his cellmate bringing this message is never really questioned so we move forward it doesn't go great the guy's like i don't know what you're saying like you said that it's not the accountant or whatever like mm, seems sus goodbye but michael does like a quick cold read of the room including of the guy's wife who is featured prominently enough that i'm like i think i know where this is going and i did reader i did but anyways so uh, the he does a cold reading and is like yeah and if <laughs> it, he, he also said that your wife might not let you help because you know you know how she is and a Apparently, this is enough of a specific that also kind of gets to the, you know, the fragile masculinity of Wes, that Wes is like, all right, let's have a conversation. And so Michael gives him a couple new details, like, so it's not Trant. He's not the guy that did it. And I don't know who does, but some they have somebody else. And there's a file on it at a particular police warehouse. So I'm a thief. I was in jail. I could get it for you. And he was like, all right, we're going to go get it soon. And Michael's like, cool, I'll see you later. So then we have a quick client meet up with a still skeptical Rebecca where they finalize all their details. So Sam is actually going to make the fake file. And then he and Rebecca are going to go get it into the warehouse for yeah. them to steal because they need to plant it for them to steal it. So Rebecca is like especially suspicious that Michael has to like break into a police evidence warehouse and makes a crack of like, you know, wow, you know, why don't we just promise this guy a walk on Mars? And Michael leaves and Michael's like, well, if it would help get Anson off your back, then I will and like kind of leaves. And Sam's like, Rebecca, don't do this. I don't have any buddies at NASA. (laughs) And I thought that was cute because I like was kinda it, cute. I like what Sam mentions his buddies and that, that like most of their work depends on Sam having buddies. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm also a little sad that Sam doesn't have any buddies at NASA. We gotta we get, get him some NASA buddies. Let's yeah, get some NASA buddies. <laughs> NASA hashtag NASA buddies for Sam.
1: NASA buddies is my favorite, like, of the Air Bud sequels with it all of buddies.
0: <laughs> was a Space Buddies movie, actually. There now probably that, was. Now that I'm thinking about it, I f- I feel like I have an image in my head of a bunch of golden retriever puppies with like the the globe, you know, yeah. s- spacesuits. Like I the feel fishbowl like- ones, yeah. Yeah, I feel like this exists.
1: Space Buddies. I
0: knew. It! I even called it Space Buddies. Wait, well, yeah, of course
1: it was called Space Buddies. It's a naming convention. I fucking
0: knew it. Let's see. Do they have a poster? Is the post? Yep. Yeah. What did I fucking tell you?
1: Yeah, I know. Yes, so the Air Buddies did go to space.
0: They did. One small step for dog, one giant leap for dog kind. That's the tagline. Of course it is. This is a good franchise that should continue to exist. Um, Okay. So now we have another quick meetup at Wes's big house where the wife is still mad at uh, Freddie, a.k.a. Michael Weston. And then Freddie makes an additional case against uh, Trant being the informant and is like, basically this, this serves to like continue to reinforce Trant's not the guy. Cool. Your house is big and your wife is a bitch. This is how we're getting into the warehouse. And Wes is like, cool, I'll see you at the warehouse. So then we have another quick scene. A lot of quick scenes in this episode, but we're getting back to the longer ones. Another quick scene at the warehouse where after a little uh, elbow grease and some side boob, Rebecca and Sam, aka Detective Finley, plant their fake little file. So the file is faked. We got some side boob. Everything is in place to to get these guys off a trance back. So then we have a scene in prison where Madeline is coming to visit and has absolutely zero patience for Dr. Cox, which I appreciated. I was
1: very confused as to whether or not Madeline knew Dr. Cox.
0: I was too.
1: Because I was, it seemed like she shouldn't because it seemed like she was always in the dark, Mm -hmm. but they seemed to act like they had a history. I don't
0: know if they act like they have a history, but he just like, I mean, he's being very Dr. Cox and she's like, man, I don't know you. You're, this is a lot right now. What's up with you? Get out of here. Like she what? just does not have any patience for this man. Why are you acting like Dr. Cox from Scrubs? <laughs> oh, I forgot to tell you. You might have seen it on Twitter, but um, the janitor from Scrubs shops at my at my grocery store. I saw him yesterday. I was grocery shopping, and the janitor walked by me.
1: Holy shit! I would know
0: him anywhere, even with a mask.
1: Oh wow, that's amazing.
0: I was. That's my first celebrity sighting in Los Angeles since moving here. It feels like a sign.
1: Uh, no, that feels right. That you deserve that. I I'm deserve. Glad, that. I'm glad that
0: you got that. I was. It was really. It, I needed it. I needed it.
1: We all needed it.
0: Ugh. So Madeline brings the the photo frame, and it turns out it's one of those like digital photo frames that's just like a, a screensaver. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a frame, and apparently Fee has hidden some uh, like a, a a chip in it with all of her old contacts. So Dr. Cox hooks it up to a phone. And is like, this will make it seem like it's coming from your phone. So all good. It'll, you know, he doesn't know you're in jail. It'll be great. And she's like, just so you know, this dude like does not like nonsense. And what Dr. Cox wants her to do is say, hey, go meet my guy. Yeah, he wants her to do some nonsense. He's like, I have a guy with an alias you're going to try to get this man to buy some illegal guns off of him that are yours and we'll arrest him. And she's like, he's not going to like that. You should let me go. And he's like, no, make the call. So she makes the call. And of course, uh, Grayson is like, I'm not meeting with a stranger. I will either meet with you or Michael. And I was really hoping that she'd say, cool. I'll see you at two and like force their hand. But I understand that her bargaining chips are few and far between. And maybe she she doesn't want to like make them matter at her.
1: Yeah, and she is in prison.
0: Yeah, but well, but like, force their hand to like let her out no, to no, do it. No. Help. I
1: know. I think like, but I feel
0: like I understand why she does it. I just think it would have been fun. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I think she like decided that that would have been, they wouldn't have done it because like they seem like they're really dead set on not taking her out of prison,
0: which is fair. Yeah, but I, there was just a part of me that wished that I. I also wish that maybe she'd just taken like an, an extra second or two staring down Doctor Cox before she's like. I'll send Michael. But like, just give us a little bit of like, a little well, bit of fire. Yeah, I like that. That would have been good. That would have been fun. It didn't happen, but I understand. She's like, okay, so Nigel has to go, and he's like, fine. Call, you can call Michael and tell him. So as she starts to dial, we head back to the break-in scene where Michael, aka Freddie, is outside the police warehouse when he gets a call from Fee and like hesitates, but then hangs it up because he's got a sh- he's got shit to do. They're on a timeline, uh, and this becomes very important. They basically have like one minute to get into the files grab the file and get the fuck out before anybody catches them. So like they're already on a ticking time bomb. They get inside, they find the thing, but Wes wants to like check stuff. So it takes a little longer than it's supposed to. They run into a guard. Of course, Wes wants to shoot the guard. Michael does it nonviolently. But then as soon as they like leave, a bunch of cops start coming because they took too long inside. So now they have to like find a new way out of the building and head up to the roof. They head up to the roof and Michael calls Sam to create a distraction to get the cops to look in like a slightly different direction so that they can get off the roof. And while Sam and Rebecca work on that, Fee calls back. Michael finally answers the phone and is like, what's happening? He doesn't even question like how she has a phone that's her phone. He's just like, what? What's going on? It's not a good time. And she's like, hey, I need you to go sell some guns to a really scary guy like right now. And right, he's like, right now. I, I can't i and and then like i think dr cox grabs the phone and it's like you you have to or this is over and he's like okay fine i'll figure it out and so like now we have an additional like time dr
1: lock. cox seems to not understand how michael weston lives
0: or like <laughs> well i think he even says like you need to stop fooling around on whatever like side hustle you're on like, like i need you to focus and it is like
1: but like yeah it seems like he would Understand that it's entirely possible that Michael Weston's life is in danger right now.
0: He does not care. And also, yeah. to his credit, Michael Weston was not supposed to be involved in this. Michael exactly. Weston was not supposed to be needed. So, you know, it's like getting called in on your day off. Right. And then they're mad at you for going to a movie. And you're it like, like that. it's my day off. I wasn't supposed to have to do this. If you need me that badly, I'll figure it out.
1: This is why Michael hates getting jobs.
0: Because <laughs> he just wants to be free to do other jobs that pay him nothing. So, anyway, so Michael's like, I'll figure it out, but just put a pin in it.
1: This is all... Very tense, by the way. This is very well done. Yeah,
0: it's super well done. Well, because we were already on a timer of like, shit, they got to get out of here so that they can like, you know, protect this person, save this person, whatever. And now there's a second thing that they're like on the hook for that also has a timeline on it.
1: I always love it when Michael has to be two places
0: at once. Me too. Well, because yeah, it it gives us a reason why we're kind of cutting between scenes very quickly. It gives a reason for the other teammates to like, Get involved it like you know it, it stretches them thin and it forces them to improvise and that's what yeah. we like about burn notice is when they have to improvise so speaking of improvising back over with sam he and rebecca jump the fence into the impound lot that they happen to be near because they're they basically just need to draw the cop's attention away from the roof so that they can give michael a breath to to get down so they get chased by a german shepherd while they like hop from the top of the car to a top of a car. Eventually find one with like a skylight they can get out um, so that they can get into the car from the top while this German shepherd is like bearing down on them. And then Michael or, and then Sam, sorry, hot wires a car with some hilariously amateur looking sparks.
1: When we made relativity, (laughs) when we made uh, my web series relativity, Mm -hmm. we also had to create sparks and we were like working so like hard on it. And I feel like we The thing that we did looks as good as the thing that happens in this professional television show. Yeah,
0: and we had, like, 60 bucks and two pennies to rub together to make Relativity, so...
1: I know. (laughs) And so, like, when the sparks were happening, I felt, like, better about the sparks and Relativity. I was just like, oh, hey... Yeah, no, this is what professional sparks look like sometimes. Mm -hmm. This is what happens when you're And they go back to it a lot. (laughs) They do.
0: It's like, we do not need this much. But Sam hotwires the car and they drive off. Back on the roof, the cops are banging down the door. But thankfully, the distraction that Sam and Rebecca have created works. So they manage to climb off the roof using a very long extension cord and get away clean-ish. But at least they have the file; they can move on with their day. Wes is, of course, freaking out, even though once they're back in the charger, and he tries to be like, "We should ditch this car and get another one." And Michael's like, "We're not ditching this car. Just calm down; everything is fine." And then, of course, as like Wes is freaking out about like, "Oh, that was too close," Cox calls back and is like continuing to pressure Michael, and Michael's like, "I need you. Just hang on." And then like Wes hangs up the phone and he's like, "Stop taking calls right now."
1: What I really love about this scene in this whole sequence. Mm-hmm. And like Michael's alias is that one of the things about Michael's aliases is that they are kind of simple when Mm -hmm. he's doing this kind of alias, but then also have to be really competent in places. So he has to seem like he's kind of dumb, but also be doing like coordinating a whole bunch of stuff really well Mm -hmm. in a way that's like very like competent and like impressive, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: but also still has to seem kind of dumb and I really appreciate when he does that
0: (laughs) it's it's a tight walk uh, you know line to walk on and I think he does a good job yeah I think also this is where uh, Cox tells us that like it's not just that you're on a time limit it's you have one hour to get to the docks or wherever he's meeting Grayson he's like you have one hour figure it out and Michael's like uh Okay. Then there is we cut back to the police chase with Sam and Rebecca, which is going not great. <laughs> you know they're driving a hot-wired impounded car, and lots of cops are on their ass. So S- Sam calls Jesse, and he's like, Jesse, go to the marina, get a boat, and meet me under this like particular bridge. And what this means is that at the end of the car chase, they just go like fucking straight into the ocean, a river. Some kind of body of water. They drive the car into the body of water. Sam and Rebecca swim out and get on Jesse's boat. And Jesse finally gets them away.
1: You know what my favorite thing about this show is? And, like, one of my favorite things. And one of the things that I think is most inspiring and I enjoy the most Mm -hmm. is the way that whenever someone calls another member of the team and says, I need you to do an impossible thing, they (laughs) immediately go, yep. Like, they know that there's no time to, like, do it, like question it or mm-hmm. go, what the fuck? Or like, that's impossible. There's no time. There's like, okay, going to go do it.
0: It's, it's a ride or die impulse that I'm obsessed with. Yeah. I mean, this is what, this is honestly like, to bring it back to the very reason that we started this podcast, other than the joke, is that like, this is what makes a good procedural is a team that you really care about that works really well together, you know, and that has like complementary skill sets, but that ultimately you like, they work well together. A great procedural lives and dies on its cast of characters. Right. And I think this show does a good job of that. And, yeah, I, and I like watching this well-oiled machine of Jesse, like, I don't know, going to do something else and then getting a call of, like, get a boat, go here right now. And he's like, yep, okay, see you then. <laughs> and there's no question. I also love that. Yeah, that makes sense. It's fun. I love it. And they do get away cleanish again. But it's all good. So back at the, the the bad guy's house, the thing that I was suspecting for a long time finally comes to pass. Because originally Michael's plan was like, Sam, just make the file really vague so that it could be like theoretically anyone in his organization. Like let this dude just tear his own organization apart for the rest of his life, looking for a mole that isn't there. Uh, you know, Tran will be off the off the radar. He'll be tied up doing nonsense. It'll all be fine. Uh, right
1: in the file that it's not Trent.
0: <laughs> Trent, innocent. Unclear why they're going after him. Definitely not him though, for sure sees. So uh, Who did it?
1: Not Trent did
0: it. <laughs> but anyways, <it's> the untrend. <laughs> uh wa Trent. <Wa-trent>. Watch Trent. Watch. Trent. I'm done. Are we doing a good job of hurrying through this recording session? (laughs) You know, I think we are. Anyways, so (laughs) instead of pointing to just about anyone, Wes concludes from this, like, this dossier that the only person that it could be is his wife. I'm not sure how the vague stuff Sam put in there made it to be his wife, but it is. That's what he concludes. And so, like, I assume that Michael now has to, like, switch to, like, oh, no, don't kill this wife. But I guess we've set her up to be enough of a bitch and enough of, like, in on the bad stuff that we don't care that much. Michael does manage to convince Wes not to kill her, but just to, like, kick her out. Yeah. And then he does and is like, well, it's embarrassing that I thought it was Trant. I'll throw away all of my investigation stuff. I'm I guess it's fair. fine now.
1: He seems... He's genuinely very torn about this, and the actor does a very good job mm-hmm. of, like, this dude really loves his overbearing wife. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like, this dude is a wife guy. Uh, he was. He was. and And so, like, he has to not be a wife guy anymore, and it really hurts him. Mm-hmm. And I do think, like, it is a thing wherein... And then the voiceover talks about how Michael's, like, oh, this sucks. I really have to go. <laughs> I have to just go with this. Mm-hmm. I have to, like... Like this dude might kill his wife or something. I'm gonna have to ruin this marriage because I got shit to do. Well, fuck.
0: <laughs> yeah, and he just like he goes in and he's like, yeah, it does seem like her. You should kick her out. Yeah. Don't please don't kill her. At least not right now. But just kick her out. And he does, and it's all yeah. Sad. It's
1: like no, yeah, you're right. She does seem bit shaped.
0: <laughs> yeah, and so she leaves. And then he he does say before uh, Michael manages to rush off, Wes is like you know, anything you need, I got you. And Michael's like, I, you know, I may take you up on that and then he leaves. And so I wonder if he's going to come back.
1: I wonder too. Here's my thing. It's like
0: the guy from a couple seasons ago that gave them a submarine that they used exactly once and then I guess never again. The thing
1: about that moment too, and in general, this whole plot is that I feel like a lot of times they do, this is a really standard burn notice play where it's like convince the bad guys that like, someone else did the bad, the telling or whatever. Mm-hmm. And normally they're able to tie a pretty firm bow on it. Mm-hmm. They're not tying a bow on it here. Like the marriage is o- Like, The thing is that, like, he's going to be thinking about this for the rest of his life. I don't feel like Trent is safe.
0: I know, me either, which I hope comes back. I think that's an interesting tension. I don't think that part will come back. I do think that, like, the the rich guy, Wes, will come back. Because I I think it behooves Michael to leave some bad guys alive in Miami so he can use them to his advantage.
1: But it really does seem like... This guy. Like a band aid
0: at best. A
1: band aid at best. Like mm-hmm. Trent is not safe. Mm-mm. Yeah. And he's because... just in less immediate danger. Right.
0: And because this guy, like, is not arrested like the, the point of this bit was not to get him arrested but it was just to redirect his angry energy yeah that seems very dangerous
1: it seems incredibly dangerous and like a weird open-ended thing that could still happen
0: so I'm curious if it will yeah. Um but anyways so I, I don't
1: have that much faith in Brunettis
0: <laughs> I I mean season six is season six is in places I'm not I mean, overall unhappy with season six
1: we'll talk about next week next week
0: well um, yeah Follow your own rules, ma'am. So, so Michael rushes off to meet up with Grayson. And while he's rushing off to meet with Grayson, because he has like half an hour left to get to the meet back in prison, we have some like back and forth between Dr. Cox and Fiona. And Fiona is like apparently still mad that Dr. Cox like forced Michael to leave Ireland, like pulled him out of Ireland. And Dr. Cox is like, I don't understand why you're still mad about that. The only reason I did that is because he would have literally died and probably you too. Like he wouldn't leave because of you he's always making bad decisions because of you. So I had to pull him out to save both of your stupid lives. So every like happy moment you've had with him since then is thanks to me. So leave me alone. And I guess this is the end of it. But like, I don't care about this conflict. I don't see why Fee would be upset when he was literally a CIA agent. Of course he was going to have to leave at some point. Yeah. Like it feels like what she's mad at is Michael for not leaving the CIA.
1: Right, and it's, yeah, it's weird. The fact
0: that she's redirecting a bunch of anger about a thing we didn't even know she was upset about towards this guy that we don't know, I don't care.
1: Yeah, I don't care. It makes Fee seem, like, immature. Yeah. In a way that, like, doesn't play. Mm Mm-mm.
0: And it would be one thing if she was projecting on him and she was still really mad at Michael, but I feel like we've resolved the her being mad at Michael going back to the CIA. Exactly. So yeah, so this feels misplaced and unnecessary. That's not Ryan Johnson and Peter Lillianus' fault. This is a thing they've been seeding since we first met uh, Mm -hmm. Dr. Cox, but... It is what it is. I didn't love it. So at the meet with Grayson, uh, Michael is there, although Grayson is a little late. And once Grayson does arrive, he's like obviously suspicious. Like I have not heard from Fiona. And now she's giving me like an amazing deal. Cause basically what happens is she's like, I need to sell you my my last shipment back. I need some cash. And he's like, I'll give you five grand. And she's like, ah, it is worth way more than that. And he's like, cool, I'll give you five grand. Um, so obviously he's getting a great deal on a bunch of guns. And so he's like pointing a gun at Michael, like, like, what the fuck is going on? And Michael's like, well, the reason she needs money so fast and the reason she's willing to, like, give in is because she's trying to pay me back because she ran off with some Brit and uh, screwed me out of a deal and now I've come to collect. And so he's like, oh, man, a heartbroken Michael Weston. How sad for you. And so they do the deal. Grayson gets arrested. And the first thing Michael does, because Michael has to, like, punch him to save his own life before the SWAT team can fully come in. He's like, you thought Fiona would leave me for a Brit? Which is a thing that has not been established as an unwort like a, a wild thing. But I thought it was very funny that this seems very important to Michael to be like yeah. Fiona might leave me, but never for a Brit.
1: I feel like he's got a specific Brit in mind.
0: I know. I don't know what's, I I assume it's something like Irish, because like Ireland like is not a huge fan of like British yeah. people, I guess. No, I
1: think he just I think he Michael is just not a big fan of British people because I don't know. There's a
0: feat or something. I feel like it's an Irish thing, because they bring up her time in the IRA a bunch. But like not
1: But no, it seems like Michael is personally offended at the idea that like a Brit would be more attractive than him.
0: Oh, see I took it in the opposite direction. I assumed he meant like Fiona would never lower herself to the like level of a Brit. No.
1: Wait, no, I think I read it as, like, no, I'm much better than a Brit.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I had a totally different read. Regardless, you know.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it that way. I was just mm-hmm. like, yeah.
0: Because I do, I do feel like it is, because they've talked enough yeah. about Ireland. Oh, but I, I think that's a thing.
1: It could, I could see that, maybe.
0: Because yeah. it would be weird if Michael Weston was like, I'm better than British people. <laughs> that's such a random pull. At least Ireland, like, has a history. Yeah.
1: No, but I mean, like... That also seems like a very, like... Bernardus is a very rah-rah American show. I mean, that's true, too. And so, like... Like, I feel like they could... They're not above, like, trying to dig on Britain and Europe and all that sort of stuff. I feel like that seems in character for the show for me. <laughs> yeah. Also, again, like... The way that he specifically mentioned a Brit made me think there was a specific Brit.
0: Yeah, it was a very confusing section because this hasn't been established one way or the other.
1: I thought maybe it was Gavin Rossdale. Remember Gavin Rossdale?
0: Was he a Brit?
1: Yeah. I mean, he is a Brit.
0: I don't remember anything but his face. So, regardless, uh, Fiona is now officially a CIA asset, but she can't actually leave prison until they catch Amson. So basically, it's like they've secured her safety. I now just, they need to I get her released. I'm just saying,
1: release. it seems like the way he says it, it seems like an, a worry that he's had in the past. Like, like it seems like he's using something real in that moment, and
0: but we don't know what it is, so it doesn't matter. It's so weird.
1: Like he's using something real just in his performance and like, God, God bless Jeffrey Donovan. That was like, I don't know if that was intentional, <laughs> but that was what I read from his performance.
0: Fascinating. Well, it doesn't matter. Uh, so now we have one like very small like end button scene, which is basically we're wrapping up Rebecca's plot. Her brother is safe, asterisk. <laughs> um, but nothing really happens other than like, all right, I'm going to help you find Anson. Like I'm, I'm in, you know, my, my contingency has been cleared up. Let's do this for notice. For notice. All right. Ready for some spy tips. Let's spy those tips. It was a lot of just like voiceover this time. So the six that I collected, I don't know if they're all great, but we'll see. Number one, selling a cover as a former convict is about the little things, the habits you learn in prison. Things like wearing shoes without laces, refusing to make direct eye contact, and asking permission before doing even the most basic tasks.
1: That's fine. Yeah, there's yeah. enough
0: specific in yeah. there. Number two, when making an approach, solid intelligence is often just a starting point. Gauging the different reactions of your target and those around him can help you fill in the blanks. While you may already know how a man feels about his dad, keeping your eyes open can also tell you how that man's wife really felt about her father-in-law. So this is just, yeah, it's just, hey, do cold reading.
1: Yeah. I don't know if that's a thing. I
0: don't know if it's enough, but I kept it in there because, like, there was, there was, cold reading is a tip, but he doesn't really give us a lot to go off of. He doesn't say, like, say these two things and see how her reaction changes. Yeah,
1: it's not super actionable. Yeah. Like, yeah.
0: Okay, fair enough. Number two, budget constraints force most government offices to manage their data using rigid, out-of-date filing systems. The constant glitches and lack of technical support give you a great opportunity to sidestep the normal rules and procedures. Of course, if you run into someone who insists on doing something by the book, you better know how to bend those same rules in your favor. So the basically this, this thing was they were using the loophole of, like, their filing system is bad to say, hey, we misplaced this file. Can you go file it yeah. for us? And the guy's like, no, I have to use the proper blah, blah, blah. And so then basically Rebecca, like... Uh, does a entrapment on him where she flashes him some side boob and he like looks at it and she's like that's some fucking sexual harassment right there and they basically leverage the sexual harassment like potential bad things to get this guy to like go do what they want.
1: I mean that's un- and that feels unrelated to the tip itself?
0: No, well because that's what the end is like. You If you run into someone insisting on doing something by the book oh, you better yeah. know how to bend those same rules, the rules against sexual uh, oh, harassment okay. in your favor. So it's basically you need to know enough about it it to get in and enough about it to ensure that like that. Got it. Okay, I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take it. Wear low cut shirts, ladies. Yeah. Okay. Number three, explosive breaching is usually the fastest way into any building, but it isn't exactly the most subtle. When a softer touch is required, a compact hydraulic wedge can quickly pry a door away from its frame without waking up the neighbors or singeing off your eyebrows.
1: It's a good shopping list tip. Always love a shopping list tip.
0: Love it. All right, number four. The mistake people make when trying to deal with a guard dog is trying to deal with a guard dog. A well-trained German Shepherd can run nearly 30 miles an hour, jump about five feet vertically, and bite with more than 500 pounds of pressure. Trying to distract a dog may seem like a good idea, but it usually just delays getting attacked by a few seconds. The best strategy is to stay as far away as possible and, if you can, put some solid steel between you and the animal. No, yeah, I that seems that makes sense. To me. There's yeah, there's enough detail in here about what German Shepherds can do that I feel like I can yeah, do something with that exactly. I, and I also know, hey, don't just bring raw meat. Maybe figure something else
1: out. Right. Maybe bring cigarettes. We'll talk. <laughs> we'll talk about next week. Next. Week.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, number five. More often than not, high speed chases end with the fleeing driver in handcuffs or in a bed at the hospital. Escaping with your freedom and the ability to use both of your legs means get, making a getaway that cops aren't prepared to deal with.
1: I don't know if we've gotten this before. Drive your car into a lake. Like, that's what the tip is. I mean, yeah, like, but the tip is, like, basically, yeah, like, do a thing that, like, the tip is basically you have to do some crazy shit. I don't know if that's enough.
0: I don't know either. This is number five. So this tip makes or breaks this episode's, like.
1: I don't know. Um, hold on.
0: We can't do it just because we like this episode. I know. Although we both did very much like this episode. Oh, God. The, um. the science, Chris. I know it is. It the is a science. The science must be maintained. Is I this a good tip? Because like, I, I can extrapolate from it, like do something that like would definitely put you in danger, but is not, because like what are people, ex- what are cops expecting when you're in a car chase? They're yeah. expecting you to drive for a long time, maybe try to like go down some alleys, maybe get out and make a stand. They're prepared for all of that. They're not prepared for you to like drive into a building. They're not prepared for you to drive into the ocean because that seems like it would put you in more danger.
1: Here's, okay, maybe. Here's the thing though. In a lot of ways this tip is the same tip as the previous tip except about cops instead of German shepherds.
0: Well, it's not that you you don't want to deal with them, it's that you you have to do something that they're not expecting. Well, but
1: like the we're- the in the sense that like basically we're explaining it's not so much telling you what to do, it's letting you know that you cannot defeat this like enemy by certain means because like you, you
0: can't meet this enemy where they're at, you have to do something else?
1: Yeah, exactly. That's right. fair. And, like, the thing is about this tip is that this does not have the concrete details that the German Shepherd tip has. Like, if you had more concrete details about things that cops are willing to do and not, and, mm-hmm. like, possibly regulations or something, mm-hmm. like, a little bit more information about, like...
0: Or how to, like, safely crash a car into the river without killing yourself? I
1: don't even think I need that. That's a separate tip. But then, like... More like... Because it's not just about cops, though. It's about high-speed chases. Well, no, because it's handcuffs. Mm-hmm. So I guess it is about cops. So, like, I think there was a little more detail about, like, the abilities that cops have while they are chasing you. Oh, I see what you're saying. Like, yeah,
0: and they don't have that.
1: Exactly. Both in terms of, like, legally and also just, like, physically, like... The physics of, like, car cop cars.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I feel like it, it, if it had that, it would be a good tip, but it doesn't.
0: It doesn't. So, so,
1: not enough tips. Unfortunately,
0: that is only four practical spy tips. Oh, my God. So, let's move on. Did they use spycraft over violence? Did they? I think they did. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah. Not a spycraft. Dumb inmate breaking into stuff, climbing yeah. off a roof with a cable. That's true. There
1: was a lot. Of, that was true. Yeah, I'll take that.
0: Yeah. Was there an alias? There was, according to the Burn Notice Wiki now.
1: Yeah, there was. And I liked him.
0: Fre- what is his name? Fre- it's Freddy Kupfer.
1: Um, you know, I, I don't know if it was like the most, like it wasn't a great alias, but I also enjoyed it. Yeah. I don't know if that's enough, though. Well,
0: he, he had physicality. He even explained his physicality that's and true. like how he came about creating this character. That's
1: true. Yeah. You know, yeah, we'll give it. They have that.
0: Were there at least two supporting characters that were used well? So does V get to blow something up or be the protagonist? No, no. She was no. solidly B plot this year. Ser- this story it did not blow anything up. Unfortunately, she is still in prison. Was Sam peak Bruce Campbell?
1: I mean, that's, that hasn't stopped her from
0: blowing stuff up. That's true. But it's harder for her to consistently yeah. blow things up in prison. That's true. Uh, does Sam get to be peak Bruce Campbell? What's Sam doing this episode? He doesn't have any buddies at NASA. He did a yeah. um, he did a cop car. He argues he argues with Rebecca a lot and drives it into a lake. Yeah, okay, I can give it to him. Yeah, yeah. I think I think he was pretty Bruce Campbelly. Because, like, usually in an episode like this where, like, they have so many characters we have to deal with, Sam usually is the one that gets shunted because, like, nothing's going on with him. Yeah,
1: Sam or Jesse.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, like, I feel like they, they balanced well. I don't think Jesse got to do a ton this episode, but he got to do enough. He got to yeah. go on his little adventure with Nate. and Yeah. So I thought he was... So speaking of, was Jesse a distinct addition rather than a redundancy?
1: I think we, we did spend a lot of time talking about how he has a different relationship to Nate mm-hmm. than the other characters do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'll give him that.
0: Yeah, and like yeah. they, you know, they need an extra set of hands, and he was there, and yeah, I think it's fine. Yeah, and also he—he's like he had his little car rant and his queen rant, so like we learned yeah. new things about Jesse. This, yeah, I'll take that, that. Are very different from Michael. Okay, cool. So that's a, that's already two. But uh, for Madeline, does she get a genuine emotional moment with another character, or get to do the case of the week? No, not really. She brought a frame to the police. Station. That's not enough. Yeah, that's not enough. But all right, Sam and Jesse were used well. So officially, by the skin of its teeth, Mm -hmm. this was a great episode of Bird Notice. There was even a a yogurt. Now, was this a great episode of television?
1: I, I think I said this like last week or two weeks ago, wherein like, I would agree with you if you argued for it.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I think that it, I would. I think it's a well-structured episode of television. Like, the the things that we didn't like about it were things that were not the episode's fault. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, the the Cox-Fee relationship. Like, that didn't really make any sense. But, like, I, I felt like it was a well-structured episode of television. It was exciting. The tension worked. I mm-hmm. felt tense the whole time. Yeah. Like, it was a good use of the full ensemble. Nobody felt wasted. Mm-hmm. you know nobody from the main ensemble at least. Yeah. Madeline was wasted but that's just because like exactly. was but even when she was there she she had, yeah. a, she had presence exactly yeah she reacted like I didn't feel like there was any wasted time yeah. other than the scene that we agree is not this episode's fault exactly the peacock stuff I think it's a pretty great episode of television I would watch this again I had fun I had yeah. a good time
1: alright then I'm with you on it yeah totally
0: alright so the second episode of the season this is not only a great episode of Burn Notice but it's also a great episode of television how about that? How about that? Congratulations, Peter Lilianis and um, Ryan Johnson.
1: You guys are good at writing television.
0: You are. They. I, this is the definitely their second great episode of television. I don't think they've had a third yet.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So that's that's their second, but that's pretty good. Yeah. Know? Like I, they're up there with I feel like um, Michael Horowitz in terms of right. number of great episodes. Like I think they're my second favorite team. That makes
1: sense. I'm...
0: I mean, they're, they're, they are they're they my favorite writer in second place. They're yeah, obviously a team, but...
1: They're your favorite team.
0: I mean, they're definitely my but favorite like... team, but, but also, yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. <laughs> but yeah, I was excited about this episode, and I remain excited about it. I thought it was good.
1: Yeah, I, th- I thought it was good, too. Watch this episode if you haven't. Uh... <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, with that... Thank you again to Vincent EL for our theme music. You can find more of Vince's music at vincentel.bandcamp.com. And until next week, bye.
1: Stay safe on elevators.
0: (laughs) Maybe just don't ride them. Maybe just avoid elevators for a while. Just to be safe. Just to be safe.